Alright people, we've come to it at last. The season finale, Jessica Jones. Season 1, episode 13, a.k.a. Smile. As I mentioned in a past podcast, it is sort of like a Sunday. It's a Sunday night. Had a great weekend. 12 great episodes. This is the 13th and final. And, uh, (laughs) you know, we know we have to go back to work or school tomorrow. So we got to enjoy the hell out of it while we can. Um, it's hard to know what to say. I mean, the the actual ending of this is so highly inevitable, as it should be. You know that that not only are we going to kill someone in cold blood, quote unquote, in a Marvel property, but that we all want it and have been expecting it. Mm-hmm. Look at the music and the art. One glorious last time. And we had to wait a couple months after this one to get second season. I knew it was coming. It was too good, too well-loved. This is directed by Michael Reimer, the final episode, who was the primary director and a head producer on Battlestar Galactica and was behind in numerous different ways, you know, the best episodes and the best seasons of Battlestar Galactica. So they tapped Michael Michael Reimer for this, and that was the right move. So we we get some uh you know narration talking over the top by Kristen Ritter which we haven't really in a while. And what's great about this episode is there is a flowering or a manifestation. <laughs> if he survives it's because of you. <laughs> yeah, right. Even though she shotgunned him in the face. Um you know, there are callbacks but only to serve the plot. There's no excessive mirroring. This is how it needs to play out. And here she is, Rosario Dawson. God bless her. Oh, my God. It was such a get for Netflix to get Rosario Dawson on board in the Daredevil series, and they knew immediately. (laughs) This is great. They can't puncture his skin with the needle. He probably hasn't been to a hospital since he was a kid. Yeah. Rosario knows something's up. So, you know... The extent to which Rosario Dawson interacted with Daredevil in Daredevil Season 1. She knows there are special people out there. They all do because of the Avengers. They'll kind of tacitly admit it here in a second without actually saying it. But, um, you know, Rosario picks up on it really quickly. I think her name is Claire Temple. I will try to call her Claire Temple or Claire or Miss Temple. But, you know, it's Rosario Dawson. And, oh, here we go. This is great. And this is, you know, this is a callback to Luke showing Jessica his powers early on in the series by putting a, you know, like a hacksaw against his body. I mean, this is obviously a computer effect, but the the actors play it great. Jessica's looking for anyone who might understand what's going on, and she finds it in uh, Claire Temple here. Ultimately, he's one of those, exactly. It says it all. You know, and the X-Men deal with this all the time, but it's always on, on a global scale with the X-Men. Yeah. This, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, right. Considering what she did to uh, Charlie Cox, a.k.a. Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, uh, she's basically a doctor. 
Right, he got used by an evil prick. Uh, no, that was mean. I didn't have a choice. Here goes Claire Temple. <laughs> I did have a choice. Ow. <laughs> I'm squeezing her arm a little tight. So I, I uh, you know, Joe Quesada, who's basically the head of the creative side of all of Marvel comics <laughs> and everything else at this point. I don't know how they pulled off that shot. That was hilarious. It's like a cut and paste, but it looked seamless that she was holding him. You've never seen anything like us? Yeah. You, I'm an asshole. Help me or get out of my way. Yeah, you don't scare me, you're not my first. You know, that's the thing. Rosario just walks right into it. And Joe Quesada, who's, who's an executive producer on this series, and all the Netflix stuff and all the Marvel stuff, he's on the comic side of things, but he has to make sure continuity is in effect in all Marvel properties, among many other tasks. And... uh he talked in a recent interview on, on Marvel's official podcast, which is actually quite interesting when they have a good guest, about how, you know, not just lucky they were to get Rosario Dawson and to get her interested to want to stay through these series and be the connective tissue, but that her version of naturalistic acting that we're looking at right here, it just fits in the Defenders universe and even the Avengers universe so, so smoothly, you know? I mean... You know, last year she's in a role of her life as Chris Rock's, uh, you know, kind of lover, but a reporter for New York Times that's covering him in top five. I mean, she just could do it all. She can do it all. It's effortless. She's almost bored by how effortless it was, which informs her character, you know, which is she's the. Even though Trish is a badass, just like tough in defending Jessica and will do anything to defend Jessica, this woman here really is just a nurse, but she's got Jessica completely off guard. Don't push it. It's just a completely off guard a woman like this could be, you know, as mentally strong or stronger than Jessica or Trish is or are. Nice. Some documentary-style filming here. You can film Rosario any which way, up from down, left from right. She's going to look great. She's so normal-looking, as gorgeous as she is. It, you know, you just you can't buy you can't buy this sort of talent. Uh-oh, here's Jessica Jones. I'm Claire down in an emergency. You have to take it. It's got to be Kilgrave. She's compelled to that level. And the thing is, you know, even if you haven't seen Daredevil, you could sort of buy just the the goodness of the, you know, the humanity in this person that is Claire Temple, played by Rosario Dawson. But if you've seen the lines she's gone through to, you know, deal and help uh, Daredevil. (laughs) No respect. You've expanded your reach. Exactly. She's still free. And we'll get that tested at the end of the episode and one of the great climaxes ever on television. Uh-huh. She mutes him. Where's <laughs> the <a> security center? <laughs> I certainly regret meeting you. He doesn't mean that. And we'll see at the end that he doesn't mean that. Uh Oh, hatred, yeah. That's a direct line from the rape. (laughs) When I rip your tongue from your skull, it'll be a short trip. 
lo- uh, he loves name calling and playing top with her now, you know, but he still wants her, and that's what's so great. You know, they they built evil. Right. Evil's too simple for a guy like this. Me evil, you guys. You know, they build completely towards this, where you hate Hillgrave, you briefly feel bad for him, then you hate him again, now you just want Jessica to kill him. Great shot around the wall following the corded telephone cord, which she's not even listening to, because she's on the move, directing it with her cell phone. Absolutely brilliant. But the very end, and I won't dwell on this till we get back to it, we see that he hasn't changed at all. He's still trying to get her. Oh, there he goes. Boom, 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 boom. Again, nice animation shooting there on the TV. Uh-oh. So, okay, so this whole episode is him kill-graving people to kill Jessica, essentially, until the last moment when he thinks he might actually still win her back. I don't know what they're doing with the color filters, you know? It's one thing to put a single color filter, as complex as that color palette may be over the camera, but... They get very Breaking Bad-esque, um, you know, colorfulness, and yet still there's a dull sheen over it. Okay, so this this is very similar to the end of the first Matrix movie, where the agents are just taking over everyone in the building, and whether they have, you know, kitchen knives or guns or anything to go after her. And then you just see Agent Smith and the various agents taking over old ladies with their kitchen knives. Yeah, here she is again. He'll break a hip. <laughs> More Jessica ass kicking that we don't see. Um, you know, it's almost a joke, you know, how little superpowers we see. But uh, superhero fans love this show. But, you know what, I think non-superhero fans love the show at an even higher rate in, in terms of really considering this great, you know, cinema or television. And it's like the new Star Wars movies, you know, or at least a new movie. I, I did love it, especially after multiple viewings. Nerds loved it, but the mainstream public really loved it. And that's what happened with Jessica Jones. And that's why I think it took him a while to assess... You know, whether to do a second season, because this one is so flawless and, and just really captured everyone's imagination. Your girlfriend's a slob. Um, you know, is this sustainable? We know that, like, we can keep putting out Star Trek movies, and the Star Trek movies will never make as much as the Star Wars movies or the Marvel movies, but we know there's an audience there, and so we know we're going to make money if it looks good and it's half decent. And that's been the case, even Star Trek in the Darkness. Made more money than the 09 reboot. Twitching the fingers. (laughs) Rosario's stretching while he's having a seizure. I think she straddles him here. Jessica says, "Uh, what are you doing? This is great, you know? This would be the one girl that Jessica would be jealous of. Yeah, what the hell are you doing? Um, You know, this would be the one girl that, that Jessica would be jealous of because she's as beautiful as her, if not more so. She's as interesting, she's as smart, and she's a better person. Yeah, uh, Claire Temple here uh, has already figured out she has to go through his eyes. The only way to get into his body is brilliant. Now, why his eyes weren't burned out by the explosion, who knows. But it's a great idea. 
oh, they're really going to do it. Yeah, that's a tough effect there to, with the all-white eye, with the bloodshot with no eyeball. Okay, I'm going in. I have to get into the cranium. <laughs> it's really, Rosario is a handful of actresses who could pull this off. Look how natural this is. You, you take this shot, this scene right here, you could put it into any, you know, like network crime, you know, lawyer drama series, and it would work. Just throw her in any context. She's pulling fluid out of his eyes. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> I wear glasses. I had like above 2020 vision until I was like 21. And I got Lyme disease, which sucks, by the way. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> always check for text because Lyme disease sucks. But it accelerated my vision loss, among other things. And while I don't have very strong glasses, I do need them. And, uh,. No, luckily, I, I don't look ugly <laughs> than normal in glasses. I know if I look more attractive, but I've done everything possible. It's, it's five in the morning. She's getting a drink. <laughs> I've done everything possible to avoid contact lenses. I hate the eyes. You know, these two ladies are probably wearing contact lenses. That's what you do. It's part of the job. Just the way they shoot this final, you know, episode is so fantastic. Michael Reimer, director, cannot say enough. You know, I mean, it's almost teed up for me. Uh, this has been one giant love fest this entire series. If you've made it this far and are listening, first of all, thank you. Second of all, thank you for appreciating how brilliant this series is. This isn't just a quirky, you know, uh, funny, you know, kind of random Netflix thing, you know, one-off, whatever, blah, blah, blah. No, there's something deep going on here in terms of the filmmaking and the acting and the writing. And the direction of a lot of great directors, but Michael Reimer was the brains behind the look and feel and aesthetic of the shooting and execution of Battlestar Galactica. And this has nothing to do with that from a visual standpoint, but what it does have is a very, very cinematic feel. And that's what blew people away with Battlestar and why I didn't get behind it until it was almost done and then I had to go back and rewatch the whole goddamn thing before it ended is that it feels like one giant movie. And as cinematic as Jessica Jones is, you know, throughout and at times, you know, is filmically brilliant, it still feels like a TV show. But this final episode feels like a movie, even if it's a TV movie, and that's how it should be. Kilgrave had control of Luke. All right, the updates from Jessica. So we still don't know exactly when Luke was Kilgrave, but it was definitely way earlier than the bar explosion, as I've been pushing since the beginning of the series in my commentary. Sorry about that. Oh, uh, is this where she says the murder corpse thing or whatever? Right, I have a friend like you and Luke, bleeding and unconscious. Yeah, actually, more often than not, yep. Matt Murdock, Daredevil. I want these two to end up together. Not these two. I want I want Claire Temple, played by Rosario Dawson, to end up with Matt Murdock, played by Charlie Cox. I don't know if that's going to happen. They tease it. She clearly has a thing for him. He's a thing for her. Jessica can see it. She's really sympathizing with a fellow good, strong, but vulnerable human being here. Right. Yeah, she has to be the one to kill him. And what's great is Rosario plays psychologist from now till the end of the episode. <laughs> it's your fault, Dad. I couldn't stop her. 
Okay, so what would be the whole dram? What would happen? Yeah, it's 50-50. chance it makes you stronger. Sixty percent it kills you. Yep, he takes those odds. How low do they have to be before he doesn't take that? You know, twenty percent, ten percent survival. Man, I want to kill you. Dad wants him dead. Uh, kill grave is. I mean, it's too late for him to turn back from his sins. But the fact that he wants to kill his dad and doesn't understand why his dad wants to kill him is just showing how little he's grown. Give me everything you've got. And he really wants to control Jessica. Beautiful shot of the city. I don't think that's a green screen. That's a nice uh, landscape shot. It looks a little futuristic. I like it. Right, so he's planning how it'll be. You control her, then reject her over and over again. But that's not what happens. Yeah, when he actually thinks he made a breakthrough with her at the end. And he doesn't throw her away. A certain ring of hell designed especially for Jessica. Yeah, he's just a jilted lover with too much power. I mean, this... Right, other than the or I'll just kill her. Everything in his sort of inner outer monologue there up till the end is exactly how a uh, jilted lover... <laughs> on the experiment began. <laughs> Kilgrave remains funny and entertaining until the end, which, which only makes his you know execution that more satisfying. And here it is, a tender moment. She, this is great. This is great. Jessica does not know whether she has ever truly been with this guy, completely unkilgraved. Even if she's been with him between Kilgraves, you know. You want to think that their first couple times together was before Kilgrave even got a whiff of Luke Cage, but there's no way that's the case. Because of Riva. She still loves him. He's just a dead sack of weight on the bed right now. That's all she wants. I thought about you. Yeah, this is where Kristen Ritter earns her dollars, if she hasn't already. Yeah, you just give these lines to her. Can help it picturing us. This could be so corny with even an above average actor or actress, let alone you know, uh, let alone a mediocre or not good actress. But she makes it naturalistic. It's like she's feeding off of Rosaria Dawson. Normal shit. The way she said that was very clear, Danesish. You know, I, I I don't think that Melissa Rosenberg down to uh, Kristen Ritter are hiding the Homeland influence. Homeland's been around since 2010, 2011, and while the seasons have been up and down after the first one, you know, Claire Dane still wins a shit ton of awards. Everyone watches it. It gets great ratings. We acknowledge that she's a brilliant actress playing a complicated role. When you wake up. I almost don't want to talk. Yeah, she she's already thinking she'd have to give up her life to Cal Kilgrave. Right, I'll be dead. <sighs> Maybe she will get along with uh, Matt Murdock, the more I think about it. She's constantly talking to herself about how terrible she is and how she should die and how she will die and how, you know, when she dies, everyone will somehow be safe and everything will be better. 
And you know what? It, it's kind of a variation of, of Daredevil. Um, I never really thought about that till now. You know, his outward self-righteousness will be an immediate turnoff to her just as a friend or teammate. But ultimately, they, you know, I think they're going to realize they're saying the same lies to themselves as they are to each other. They've moved the camera once. It's been like over a minute. Beautiful. That's so hard to, you know, lay there. It's easier when you're just really, really, really unconscious and not dead because if you breathe occasionally, it's like, okay, well, we know they're not dead. But uh, still hard. Man, is Kristen Ritter skinny. I don't know. That'll be interesting to say. Oh, here it goes. And this is a direct mirror, obviously, image-wise, of uh, when they had his head down as a child subject in their, you know, experiment factory or whatever, putting the, whatever they were putting into his spine. And he's going to scream the same way. And the father is going to be hurt the same way by doing it and and the question is should they have let him die they had no idea he'd become the monster he became so i haven't talked enough about david tennant i just assume that if you're at this point with me you've googled him or wikidab he's like a legend okay for a guy in his early 40s He's been like sexiest man in, you know, the UK for many, many years. He played Doctor Who. He's the most classic, you know, highfalutin, you know, intellectual, uh, UK-based, produced uh, sci-fi character in the history of television or movie sci-fi. He was Doctor Who. And he's in the Shakespeare Royal Company. I mean, you know, that's the thing. I mean, Kristen Ritter is brilliant as she is. You got Rosario Dawson on one side. You know, who's sort of an underground legend and, you know, sadly just coming into her own now in terms of bigger properties. I don't know why. You got David Tennant on the other side. It's intimidating, but Kristen Ritter, it's never too much for her. And she basically begs Claire to stay with uh, Luke. Right. It's asking a lot. You don't know me, but. And this is her most. Yeah, she's not even this vulnerable around Trish. That's the thing. Trish is the one most equipped to help her with her vulnerability. Yeah. I've seen you with your pants down. Oh, look at that smile. Oh, Jessica Jones smile. Uh, shows at the door. It's great. It's all self-referential, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, this cast I got together here. I mean, this episode would have been totally fantastic even without, uh, you know, Rosaria Dawson, but she, you'd think, is just there to make the connective tissue with Daredevil, but she serves such an important, you know, moral and plot purpose in the story here. Oh, here it is. Oh, she didn't show Jessica before about the IGH military testing or whatever from her mom now she's telling her right maybe something might be nothing I, which means we're going to hear a lot about this in the second season for better or for worse but as i was saying she can't act too vulnerable around trish even in these sorts of moments because she's always trying to defend trish Claire, she can really let her guard down. 
And that's what's great about the Rosario interactions. Right, wait until I call her back up. Teamwork, yeah. Uh, <laughs> from episode two with her and Luke doing teamwork. That's great. Okay, uh, this is the thing, and this is why I love this series. I knew exactly what the saying, the Sardines Pickle Juice, I knew it was going to be I love you. I knew it. I knew it before she said it. I absolutely knew it. Here it is. Something I never say. Like, I love you. It looks at her in the eyes for two seconds, walks away. <sighs> Trish totally gets it. But the thing is, it doesn't matter that I saw that line coming because of the performances and... Again, this is a case with great filming and writing and performances. You can get away with anything. You can get away with anything. So where is she now? Is she in a hotel? Apartment? Okay, she's in the apartment. Oh, right. Where Kilgrave had been. His dad is dead or killing himself or something. Yeah, he had, had these other guys off themselves. Can't remember how she traced him here. She's always one step behind. So are these the guys with the yacht? That was from a couple episodes ago. Oh, the other guy's trying to dispose of the body of Kilgrave, I think is what's going on here. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, no. I normally hate this stuff. That's the thing. Yeah, there it is. The arms ripped off of the father. That looks so real. This is totally from Fargo here at the end. When, uh, what's his face is killed Steve Buscemi and putting his limbs through the, uh, the wood chipper or whatever. I have to remove dad from the face of the earth. Yeah, I guess it is the same guys with the, uh, yeah, knocks someone out, unkillgrave them. That's the thing, you know. They over and over again show the way that Jessica takes people out so that they don't kill themselves while killgraved. You didn't really have to do it, but they always make it interesting and fast and smooth and. She's trying to save everyone. She's trying to save everyone. You know, it's like in the Dark Knight Rises at the end. What's Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing? You know, he's not helping with the central battle against Bane. He's trying to get one bus of school children of all of Gotham City over the bridge. And uh, that's what superheroes do. Whoever needs saving that's in front of them, that is what is their focus. She pulls out the picture. I guess that's uh, Kevin as a kid or whatever before the brain damage. Yeah, it's Grizzly. Oh, <laughs> he's still alive. Oh, shit. He's stronger. Don't listen. Don't look at him. Yeah. He'll make you kill. Uh, you know, setting up the misdirect. And he's dead. The classic dead guy is <laughs> only enough to say to make things dramatic without actually giving away any real information, but that's okay. So Jessica comes back down, and I think she's just like, I love you, let's go. There it is. 
the whole I love you thing, I totally caught from before it happened until the execution. <laughs> I knew what was going on, you know, because it's the most logical step between two places. You know, that's the thing. I'll never hold that against the movie. They find the most logical, you know, way of getting from point A from point B of great filmmaking. Even if I can predict it, if it's well executed, I almost love it more. Honestly, because these kind of surprises are only important in your first watching. Uh, you know, these days it's rewatching and, uh, you know, and so forth. Th- that really makes that neighbor nurse. <laughs> that really makes it is you know, the rewatch. These guys have a great exchange. And the fact that they're both people of color never enters into it, which is fantastic. In fact, we've got three black people. Ah, Rosario Dawson, it's, I, I keep meaning to look up, but I almost don't care if she's Latina or black or both. What is even the difference? we got three people of color in this apartment taking care of Jessica Jones' the situation. Are you some kind of special nurse? <laughs> yeah. Special as in... No, you are right. I'm not special. I just keep running into special. You and me both. Is it a good thing? Can't choose what we know. Hey, right. These two guys have very similar roles in their series, and that's why this short interaction is fantastic. Actually, this could be a romance. I never really thought about that. I could totally see Malcolm and, and Clara getting together. She's a little bit older, and not that it matters. I mean, Rosario Dawson is going to be gorgeous till the day she dies, but um, Malcolm... Uh, Rosario's older than she looks. I think she's, like, mid-30s, and Malcolm is a way younger than he appears or, or his character, you know, gives off. Yeah. Luke is going By necessity, by definition, they're separate. From each other. And this is it. Rosaria nails it. That's what we need. Or that's what they need. Yeah, they need connection. Was that make us sidekicks? <laughs> I'm no one sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> they have great chemistry. I could totally see this. Yeah, Jessica's got it in there. Yeah, Malcolm's all the way back. An alcoholic. A hero. God. Tough business. So is yours. God, she's so stunning. Rosario Dawson, you know, I mean, they'll do anything to her hair. They give her straight up scrubs. The scrubs fit her well, but they're not going out of their way to show anything and do anything. You're not a mind controller, right? Here we go. Kilgrave. Evil prick. Okay, evil prick. I'll be on the couch. Yeah, Rosario is just so enticing. Uh, you know, a personality. It's unbelievable. Oh, shit. <laughs> Man, if you got taken down, we're all in the shit. Says Malcolm to, uh, to Luke Cage. It's true. It's true. Uh-oh. She finds the fetal material from... For Hogarth. Yeah, it made him stronger. Jerry screwed up again. Right, what else can I do? I bled for them. I've lost everything that I can I can't believe Pam's facing murder, murder charges. Yeah. Alright, don't let them. Fight them. Because you are who you are. 
a sack of dark oozing shit in an expensive suit. <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> Jessica's unloading pro bono victims on, Co- on uh, Hogarth, excuse me, who's pretty much out of a job and a life already. Some more unpaid shit. Here we go. Here. But doing something good, this is the whole series. It helps with the... Sl- yeah. It helps with the self-loathing, trust me. Doing something good helps with the self-loathing, trust me. That's it. That's what Jessica discovered this whole series. And she's passing it out to Hogarth, who she still needs. Right. He's leaving the clues for Jessica to come. And you want to go? Th- yeah. So here it is. Mono, mono e mono. At least now it'll end. Yeah, one way or another. So, okay. So this episode would have been great if you just had the climax that's coming up in the shipyard when they're face to face if you just had that it would have been one of the great all-time first season closers ever but you got this you got trish blasting fucking hardcore music in her ears Looking at the ground, not listening to anything. And this is... Uh, look, oh, the music cuts out. There it is. He thinks it's Jessica. And the last and final round. But Michael Reiber is just killing it in this episode. Look at that. The music cutting in. Music out. Oh, man. Yeah. This does feel like a Battlestar episode a little bit. I'm not going to lie. If I didn't, you know... If I knew it was Michael Reimer, maybe I would feel different. Maybe. But goddamn. This is dark and exciting and fast-paced and just hectic. This editing is extremely difficult. Um, This editing uh, is tough, both from the music sound standpoint and the visual standpoint. So this is just a big distraction. Take it down, take it down. I I want the song on my iPod. It's a fucking pump-up song. But the whole episode is just really fun. She's got Bose earphones on. Or not Bose, uh, Beats by Dre. It's Patsy, for God's sakes. But it, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter, because their final exchange on the docks with Patsy, with Trish Walker, as an unwitting accomplice or semi-witting accomplice, is so glorious. And this is important that a whole like police force would just unload their weapons on a seemingly innocent woman. That's what gets Jessica out of potential jail later on. Goodbye, Jessica. Okay. Yeah, Jessica wearing that flannel shirt looks just like her younger version. It's crazy. Here she goes. The jump. Oh, Matrix style, baby. (laughs) It's not much farther than Neo jumped, but it's far enough. Boom. Yeah. Which doesn't seem to jibe with the earlier uh, episode where she, like, literally flies off a street. But that's okay. She made it. Tying the cops in. So, okay, so, you know, you guys have seen this before. 
And I, I want to wax philosophical a little bit about how amazing this show is. So the real question is, from 1 to 10, how certain is Jessica that she's going to be able to not be controlled in the final moment? And I think it's a 10. I think that no matter how strongly... Oh, you're right. She's communicating. Says, right. Head down. Don't look at him. He can do it just by his, I think, by his lip movements is what they're implying. Um, but from 1 to 10, I think Jessica knows that however strong he's gotten, it's not going to change. Here he is. Ready the yacht. Perfect end to the series. You know, Kilgrave spent a number of episodes now just trying to kill Jessica. Right, this is convenient that all the people he has set up to kill each other, you know, don't have actual weapons of any sort, you know, so it's a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of untrained fighters going after each other. Trish tries to break it up like a superhero, you know, even though she can't save everyone. Jessica's throwing people around. It's... It's the brutality of it. But again, Kilgrave has thought this out. Oh, boom. Uh, Trish goes down. There goes her, her earphones. You know, Kilgrave wants these people to almost kill each other, but mostly just to cause Jessica pain it's in one last desperate attempt to control her. And here it comes. And they don't dwell. And this is what's great. They don't dwell in this final scene. They cut right to it. It happens generally as you think. Here it comes. Stop. Stop. A general order of stop. The people stop fighting. They stand up or sit in place. Trish stops. Jessica stops. And here comes the act. Yeah, this is so brilliant. The next five minutes is some of the most brilliant television of all time. Right, right. Kilgrave can't think as far as she does. She finally outsmarts him. And when did you make them stop? Uh, I never died before. And uh, it, it it takes such a performance for her to act like Jessica, the mind-controlled victim. And look at him. David Tennant. He, it's the thing. Clever girl. Clever, clever girl. Jurassic World or Jurassic Park. Right. Pretending to give me what I want. He's so good. This is his on his this is unloading. I'd hoped for it. It's so tempting. Uh, yeah. But he can't go to her because he knows she could be lying, so he needs to run a test. Here's his test. I mean, this is the thing. This is a guy thinking with his dick right now. I've been asking possible of you. I see that now, right? This is him. Oh, I wanted you to love me. Yeah, he 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 deflects her inability to love onto her. He deflects his inability to love on her. He knows that Patsy, aka Trish Walker, is the one. And what's great about this is we have no evidence, and we don't need any evidence that this is anything but Kilgrave Kilgraving. Trish. They must have discussed this possibility before bringing Trish into the, you know, into the line of battle. 
All right, I'll be raping her every day. Jessica is assessing how far she's willing to let this go. So, you know, he kisses her. Yeah. Rachel Taylor just killing it here. I'm sorry, people. I don't know what to say. Uh, yes. So Jessica not only has to play mind-controlled in terms of her stopping... But in terms of her answers to him, have to be truthful or seeming to be truthful. Here we go. Right. That, that's his safeguard. She'll slit her own throat. That's the ultimate contingency. Jessica, she got the wide eyes, the Kilgrave eyes. He can see it. Kiss me, mean it. And this is probably just straight Kilgraving. But it helped that Trish was prepared for this. Mentally later, you know, when they have to get over this together. So they considered this possibility. Look, He's looking at Jessica the whole time. He's not even looking at Trish. He could care less. It's true. He can't believe that Jessica would be ruthless enough to let her go away with Trish. Now, what if they hadn't done the kissing thing and they just got on the boat? You know? We'll never know. We will never know. But look at his performance. And this makes a series. I love Kristen Ritter. But David Tennant makes the final episode. All right, no more fighting, no more ugly displays. Look how happy, he relieved and happy he is. Look, look, he really wants, right, however long it takes, I know. I know you'll feel it, I feel he really thinks it. And that's the twisted part of his character. It's not that he's obsessed with her and loves her, but thinks that she truly loves him deep down. Oh, there's the smile, the Kilgrave smile. Here it comes. You know the all love you's coming back. Tell me you love me. Uh, Looks at Trish. I love you. Trish. Kilgrave. What? Oh! <laughs> Smile. Oh. God. <laughs> she just twists his fucking neck. And everyone's free. It, there must be people committing suicide throughout the city, but she had to do it. It had to be done. You know? What would have happened if he had gone on the boat with Trish, with Jess, just acting like he, she was mind-controlled? Or maybe she was, and maybe it changed at the very end. We'll never know. We will never know. We know that she became immune. We don't know how immune. Immune enough to kill him at the right moment. Right, and here's the uh, Luke wakes up and leaves when no one's looking. Uh, this is great. Claire starts giving him love advice about Jessica. She can already tell that Jessica loves this guy. What she's got there. Uh, and, uh, and Rosario's just giving him, you know, not so subtle, subtle advice at that. He's gone. How'd I get here? Jessica. Well, I helped. <laughs> oh, I love her. She's been arrested. Uh-oh. She killed someone. Luke misreads the, the news. He got to her. No. She got to him. Kilgrave is dead. Yeah. That's it. You have this whole series of great characters, but in one episode, Rosario Dawson's the one who says Kilgrave is dead and pushes the little cage stuff forward. It's amazing. It's amazing. She did it. Yeah. 
So now we have to think. Yeah, Luke's gonna, <laughs> Luke's gonna tear apart the police precinct to make sure she doesn't go to jail. <sighs> no, which is important because we don't know how long or how many times he's been killgraved, at least in terms of on-screen performance. But he still loves her deep down. All right, and the police aren't dealing with Luke. <laughs> Batshit crazy. Yeah. No one's looking for you. Rosario's doing all the exposition. You have no clue she's doing exposition because it's just the way she carries herself. All right, I know how to keep a secret. It's interesting to think where Claire Temple will be when the defenders are are one and the same and together. Good friend to have. Yeah, she's tough and shit where you're concerned. She's still tough and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you Mm-hmm. And this is the whole, you know, superhero without being a superhero. Is Rosario Dawson as Claire Temple. Here she goes. Yeah, to make happy. You know, someone caring about you like that. And if you feel the same way. <laughs> See what's possible. Right. I think she drinks the water. Oh, this is great. Yeah. One of the best all-time cameo guest spots of any actor ever on a television show in any format. Okay, so this makes no sense that they get Jess off on, you know, right. They get Jess off on her being told by Kelgrave to kill Kelgrave. It's basically a suicide, you know, uh, execution. But Hogarth is, knows that she has Jessica, everything she has left. Toxic ass link. Right. But ultimately, she talks about the cops, you know, going crazy on Jessica, and that's why the cops let her go, because they don't want to deal with that, just like in the police station earlier. Right? This is like Apollo testifying on the stand for himself. Uh oh. Force Jessica to snap his neck. Alright. The guilt was unbearable. The thing is, her her salesmanship is at an all time low and unconvincing here. But but she's playing the law. But she is playing the law to save her client, which is exactly what lawyers are supposed to do. You gotta live with it. Mm-hmm. If I had these same witnesses, Hope Shaman would be alive today. Exactly. So they're saying, fuck mind control. Right. And she's saying, tell that to the police officers who opened fire on my client. And that's what it comes down to. Is that the, the officers will corroborate that they acted outside themselves. That they would never do. You know. When, when, when a police officer... People don't realize this. For as much police abuse is out there, and it's out there, for every shot fired from a police gun, there's paperwork. You know, you can't fire one shot from a police gun as a policeman on a police mission and not have paperwork. They're, inve- they're always investigating it. We may never hear about it. They may not get punished. But this is exactly why. You know, they have an entire platoon of policemen who acted out of their brains to shoot this woman who they had never seen or heard of before. 
And uh, it's a bit of extortion by, uh, uh-oh, mom, more files. All right, so here we are. You know, less than four minutes left. Trying to set up season two, which we didn't know would happen. And thank God is happening. Oh, man. I don't know if it can get better, but, it, you know, if it can sustain a little bit of a higher level than Homeland did in subsequent seasons from its first, uh, we're really going to be in for a treat in terms of this uh, this series going forward in an extended way. Right, the door's broken again. Jessica's back home. And again, this ending coming up in a minute or two is exactly the ending I would have done if I could think of it. It's exactly the way to both resolve the first season and set up a second season, and even if the second season never happens. Here he is, Malcolm. After everything they've been through, he's a soldier. Yep, he's saying thank you. He doesn't want to openly say thank you for killing someone, but he's saying fucking hell yeah, thank you. You know, he's he's a soldier, like Trish. Trish has been one from the beginning. Malcolm's been on and off. Now he's, you know, he's lieutenant number two. Her <laughs> phone's charging. Oh, here we go. This is great. They They draw out this last couple of minutes. You have 12 new messages. Here we go. Right. Yeah, she's in the media now for saving people. Though she's a PI superhero that's in the news. She's sickened by it. She's deleting all of these messages. <laughs> she would delete all 12. But Malcolm realizes this is it. This is why we need Jessica Jones. But this is also why we need Malcolm and Trash helping Jessica Jones. As I've said, those three with you know new characters coming in and out can make the series go a long time. Here we go. The slow pullback from the office. The phone ringing. She's full of as much self-loathing as ever. She can't understand what greatness she's accomplished. Because it's just so dirty and bloody and everyone died along the way. Alias Investigations, how can we help? Says Malcolm. It's like Chris Hemsworth is going to be the secretary for the female Ghostbusters. Boom. Boom. I, uh, first of all, thank you people if you made it this far. I appreciate it. Um, I don't know if this will be the first TV series that I released on Bizzlecast TV, but it is the first I recorded from beginning to end. Working on Game of Thrones, Daredevil, Vikings, Homeland, some other ones. But this was the first one all the way, so thank you. I had to watch the series again as soon as as soon as soon it ended. I really did. I waited a couple days, you know, maybe a week, and then I just binge-watched the entire thing again. And what can you say? That series says it all. Jessica Jones, we can't wait for season two. Kristen Ritter, Trish Walker, played by Rachel Taylor, in a cast of thousands. Self-respect. Get some. Bizzle out.